Well, happy Friday. Glad you made it to the weekend. We have some guests who are with us. Uh, the Board of Regents are here in town. Can we welcome them? And I know we have other guests that are with us today, so we're glad that you could be with us. Uh, as we're gathered, let's go ahead and show them how we uh, greet one another. Let's welcome each other on this uh, Friday. Go ahead and have a seat. So, I, I don't know if you noticed, but we're in a drought here in California. In fact, uh, I was going driving through uh, Newport and I happened to see a bus that had uh, this on display that brown is the new green. Have you seen that? Irvine Water District, they're very concerned. Of course, all the uh, dividers between the lanes were completely green and lush and all that other stuff, but that's another point. But cut outdoor use water in half. Concordia is helping with that. They just shut the water off to half the campus every once in a while. <laughs> we're doing our part, doing our part. Now, some have dealt with this in another way. Right? They're tired of having their grass look dead. And so even though they know that the grass is dead, they decide that they're just going to go ahead and paint it green. That's right. Everyone thinks it's alive. Everyone thinks it's vibrant and lush and manicured. But it's not. Now we're in a drought. You know, as we think about that, it's not just California. No, we are in a drought. See, I've listened. I've listened when you shared. I've heard everything that you have had to say. So I know. I know that mom wasn't supposed to have an affair. Dad wasn't supposed to die. They're not supposed to get divorced. How can she have cancer? How could he walk out on us? He says he loves me, so why do I just feel used? He says she cares, but I feel manipulated. Now we're in the same room, but I feel so distant from them. You know, no one should talk to me that way. There's no excuse for anyone to treat me that way. You see, I know. I know that you walk into a calf that's full of people, and yet you've never felt so alone. I know that you have roommates and classmates and teammates, and yet you feel completely secluded. You see, I've heard everything. I feel trapped. There are things I want to change for the better, good things I would like to do and focus on. So there are things that are harmful to myself and others that I'd like to eliminate, but it seems hopeless because even if I'm doing good for a while, eventually I fail. I feel enslaved. Enslaved by my own warped perceptions of myself. 
enslaved even when deep down I know that as I look in the mirror, the voices that I hear and that my own eyes I know are lying to me, but I feel enslaved. An injury or an illness, a body broken as it's not functioning how I know it should. And I know that sometimes you don't even know what it is because it isn't anything specifically. But you feel numb or scared or overwhelmed or confused or uncertain. What am I supposed to do? What is my future? How am I going to get through this? A barren wasteland without a drop of water. All of life, all vitality, sucked right out. Dry, desolate. We are in a drought. And it seems that all the world has to say that, you know what? Well, brown's just the new cream. I mean, isn't that what we're saying? Isn't that what everyone else is saying? When they say things like, well, you know what? You only live once, so live for today because who knows about tomorrow? Hey, brown is the new green. You've got to look out for yourself, protect yourself because no one else is going to. Brown is the new green. Isn't that what we mean when we convince ourselves that everyone else is doing it, that it's no big deal? So you might as well live it up, drink it up, drug it up, sex it up. That's our option. It's the new normal. And there are those times when we're saying we're done. We don't want to simply say that brown is the new green. And because of that, even though we are dead and dried up and cracked and broken inside, we say, you know what, we'll just paint everything green. We'll make it look like we're full of life, that everything is fine. We'll just cover it up, hide it, put on our mask, our happy face, the perfectly manicured persona. And if we can't manage to do that in real life, we'll just make sure that we can tend to that, at least in social media. So those two options, quite frankly, they just stink. Deal with it or fake it. That's the best the world can offer. You know, the very first psalm describes for us something different. When it talks about how being gathered to God and his life-giving promises is like a tree in a barren wasteland that has been picked up and moved and planted right in the midst of flowing water that revitalizes it and gives it life, sustaining it in all seasons of life. You see, now that's different. And it was Jesus himself who said, whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. You see, that's what we've been talking about over the course of the last four weeks as we've been taking a look at Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, we have seen that God does a work of revitalization and renewal through Jesus Christ, which he then pours out freely upon us in baptism. So over the course of the weeks, we looked at the waters of creation and the flood and the cleansing of Naaman and Jesus' baptism. And we saw truths echoed and summarized in Titus 3. That God motivated by His goodness, saves us. He cleanses us. That He makes us heirs 
and children of God, inheritors of his promises. So why is it that we seem to make so little of something like this? So often we think about God's love and his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness, as if it's just little bits. Something that he rations out judiciously. A little bit here, a little bit there. After all, right, he's got to make it stretch. He's got to have enough for everyone for all time. He's got to make it last. As we search in God's word, it's a totally different picture of what we see with regards to the flowing of God's grace and mercy to us. I've asked for a number of volunteers. I'm going to invite you to come forward now. And come on forward so we can kind of see what this looks like. Be careful on your way up. It's a little slick up here. I don't want any injuries. Do we have a couple guys here? All right, I need someone to hold my mic. We all set? All right. I don't think this has ever been done in chapel before. You see, while we think of things as just a little bit of water, this is the image that we get in Scripture, all right? It isn't just that he saved us. microphone. You see, it's not just that he saves us. This is what Paul reflected upon. He said, look, the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to the same sinners of whom I am the foremost. You see, it's not just that he cleansed us. You're going to have to stay a little closer. You see, it's not just that he cleanses us of our sins. Paul said in Ephesians 1, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. You see, it's not just that he's made us his children. The disciple John said this, How great, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And for just for good measure, just because. Because we're only going to do this once. You guys did good. He has lavished us. He has lavished us. Now you see, 
We call ourselves the Great Commission University. And when we think about the Great Commission, we think about the fact that Jesus gathered his disciples. And when he gathered his disciples, one last time before he went to the Father, he said this. He said, I want you to be a people in the midst of the drought bringing my lavishing love to this world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching all that I have shown you, all that I have taught you, all that I have entrusted to you about my life-giving mercy and grace. And I wonder, having been soaked in the grace of Christ themselves, how could they have done anything differently other than to soak others around them? The place is already a mess. Should I? All right. I got enough of MMS I got to clean up. What, what a gift. What a gift we have been called to. And what a gift it is that we have to give. And I know that there are days, there are too many days, that as we look around us and as we look within us, it just feels like we're still stuck in a drought. But Christ is there saying, let me soak you in my grace, that the springs of living water may pour forth from you. I want to close with this story. It's a story I've shared before. But it taught me a very invaluable lesson, which I will never forget. My sister's husband, Derek, was 24 and diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. Within six months, disease had broken down his body to the point of being limited to a recliner in the living room. And hospice care was called in for support. And so when the hospital sent someone over to the house to pick up the wheelchair that Derek would no longer be needing, that employee took it upon himself to mention something about Derek's cancer and God's judgment upon him. Now, Derek wasn't a Christian, but he and my sister had been having many conversations, and so he mentioned what had just happened. And she responded very simply by saying that that wasn't what faith in Christ was all about at all. It was not about what we do or what we don't do, but what it is that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It's about the lavish love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that God desires to pour out upon us freely and continually. His response was, really, it's that simple, huh? I want that. So I happened to be in town. I was out of state, but I happened to be in town for a wedding when I got a call from my sister who proceeded to tell me Derek wanted to be baptized. So the next day, I walked into the house and saw a man that looked closer to 84 than 24. No power to hold up, even his head needing a neck brace to support it for stability. And there, with all of us gathered around in his chair... He was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when I had finished, do you know what it was that I said next? I said, well, Derek, you may not feel very different. Brown is the new green. That voice always seeming to be there all the time. But he stopped me before I could finish, and he simply said this. No, this is different. 
Now, he didn't get up miraculously healed from his cancer. In fact, he died just a couple of days later. But he knew something that day that is a remarkable thing. It was the slightest bit of water gently applied to his forehead. But he was soaked, absolutely soaked in the life-giving grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. See, this is different. In the name of Jesus, amen.